It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with the one and only Will Wheaton. He is terrific. Everyone knows him from Star Trek and Stand By Me, dozens of things. Of course, The Big Bang Theory and uh, his latest it is a book, and it is a must-get. Everyone must get two of these. Still just a geek, and it's by Will Wheaton. Uh, get two of these. Get one for yourself. Get one for your, your geekiest friend. And uh, a lot in there. Uh, great story. Great history. If anyone knows anything about Will, uh, they you know he's overcome a lot, and he's uh, just terrific. He. he reluctant to get into show business but boy he's he's done it as well as anybody for a very long time will wheaton welcome hello oh listen thrill uh thrilled to have you here uh as far as the book goes i mean was it a kind of a, a cathartic experience was it a painful experience was it enjoyable was it all of the above uh what how do you how do you sum it up it was all of those things there were parts of it that were extraordinarily painful. I had to revisit the single most traumatic event of my entire life um, and confront it uh, in a way that I had not been able to do since it happened. And uh, the actual experience of writing about that took several days um, and uh, was extraordinarily traumatic and difficult, but it's a real important part of my story and it was really important to to speak my truth and, and share my, you know, thing that I had, that I had been through, um, being able to give a voice to the person I was when I was a kid who was forced to be an actor, um, giving a voice to the teenager I was who struggled with, uh, you know, believing that he was just useless and worthless, um, giving a voice to the 20 year old who was trying so hard to become a writer and be a good dad and a, and a good husband was really cathartic and helpful for me. Um, especially doing the audiobook, I was very surprised to discover that the writing of all of this, um, uh, sort of stirred things up and brought things back to the front of my mind that I wasn't thrilled about. And, uh, the narrating of the audiobook. Uh, was gave me the catharsis that I was ex- that, that I had hoped I would get from the writing. It was completely unexpected, um, and and the, the the kind of surprising experience that that almost deserves its own essay. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, everything you just said there is just uh, just great. There's so many people, uh, and listen, adults, uh, certainly kids, and kids that have picked up on you now uh, from uh, from your work as a, as an actor that feel exactly the same way. Uh, they feel like they were uh, they're useless as a teenager, and of course, we all know that's not true. They just haven't found themselves. But the fact that you uh, you wrote about this, and you wrote about some of the uh, the painful, single most painful thing, is uh, you know it's important. I mean, it's important that you get out there and uh, and and put it out so uh, so others can feel. I mean, this is how I see it anyway. And uh, I, I'm I'm sure you're thrilled with the uh, early response. You have a lot of friends out there. You have a lot of fans out there. You have a lot of friends you've never met before but uh, at the same time there's a lot of kids that i think are going to find solace in the fact that uh that you've uh, shared an experience uh, and and shared experience and, and feelings that they have themselves 
Yeah, I'm very grateful and privileged and fortunate to uh, have just a magnificent parasocial relationship with an, uh, a, a, a self-selected group of kind, gentle, uh, enthusiastic people. Um, we have seemed to have found each other over the years, um, and, and that's wonderful. Um, you know, when I was working on Next Generation and was really under the impression because of the the, the, the online experience back, back in the 80s, you know, I was really under the impression that uh, Star Trek fans hated Wesley and they were very loud about how much they uh, consequently hated me as a person. The thing is, at that time, so that was a small part of fandom. It wasn't the majority of fandom. I have since met hundreds of thousands of people that are in my generation who were like, oh my God, I loved Wesley. He was a huge part of yeah. everything for me. Um, but at that time, in the 80s, I had grown up being made to feel by my father that nothing I did was good enough, that everything I did was stupid, that nobody really liked me, um, and that if if I did something uh, that a, a normal a person would normally feel proud of, if I allowed myself to feel proud of things, I was being arrogant, and and uh, uh, he just really like just took all of this stuff away from me. So when the thing that I was doing that I was proud of that I loved was met with that and initial reaction, um, uh, and that was the only reaction that made its way to me, it was terrible. It just confirmed my worst fears about myself. Um, and it's really unfortunate. You know, I think that if I had had parents who had loved me unconditionally and nurtured me and worked to help me be the best person I could be and find what my dream was, I would have I would have reacted very differently to all of that stuff, but I just wasn't supported the way that I think children need and deserve to be supported, and it was really challenging. It's, it's amazing how many people out there, I'm sure, listening right now as you as you're saying that, and that are going to read this book, uh, are are going to uh, say, "My God, I wish my kid was like Will Wheaton growing up. I wish my kid had had those skills. I wish he uh, had had the insight." And listen, every time I've heard you in an interview, you know, you're a thoughtful guy and you're you're uh, you're someone uh, you're introspective, but you're also you're not so introspective where uh, where it is arrogance. I don't I, I've never seen anything that you've done that uh, that came across as arrogance to me, uh, you know, a l little tortured at times or whatever. But I mean, as you're talking about it, it's it's there. I Listen, congrats well, on all of this. Thank you. I have since learned and come to understand that the man who was my father is a narcissist and really hates himself and really projected a lot of that onto me. And none of that ever had anything to do with me. And uh, as I've talked about this over the last couple of years, I've been really open and honest and vulnerable about uh, being, you know, being a survivor of physical and emotional child abuse and neglect and exploitation and living with mental illness as kind of a consequence of all of that. I've met lots and lots and lots of people who have shared similar painful experiences. My experience isn't unique. It's just that it happened to a person who's on television so I can tell my story. And I hope, I hope, I hope other people who have shared my experience in their own unique way will find some kind of roadmap and some kind of 
uh, uh, comfort in knowing that there is a way out of of the the situation that we survived. Just awesome. Uh, listen, congrats on everything, on a great career, on surviving uh, the abuse, on everything that you've done since and before. Um, uh, still Just a Geek is a must-get for everyone. Can you give us a website, a social media site, where we could follow along with what you're doing and anything else that you'd like to add? Thank you very much for being here, Will. Yeah, the easiest way to find me is to go to willwheaton.net. It's the only thing you have to remember. Uh, if someone is interested in finding me on social media, they can just go there, find links, read my blog, read my essays, get to know me. Um, and uh, it is a place where I enthusiastically and regularly interact with people. I enjoy it very, very much. So if you're interested in learning more or, or you just have something to say, go to willwheaton.net and uh, you can figure it out from there. Will, thank you very much for being here. Thanks, buddy. Have a great day. Will Wheaton, everyone, and uh, I'll tell you, still just a geek. Yeah, I, I've I've heard about uh, you know what uh, what he's gone through. Very abusive father, and you could tell the anger that he has. And um, uh, it, you know, with this, he got pushed into into show business. He, by the way, a great actor. If you saw him in Stand by Me, he was just absolutely terrific. And stand by me. And that's, I don't know how old he was. What was he, 11 years old there? He was just fantastic, 12 years old. Um, amazing, amazing. River Phoenix was uh, was in that. And uh, Corey Feldman, uh, boy, casting in that was uh, was terrific. Uh, Stephen King wrote it. And uh, Richard Dreyfus was the, a lot of talent all on that. But Will Wheaton is the guy who stood out, I think, more than anyone, even River, River Phoenix. Uh, Will Wheaton just was, uh, he was the anchor in that. And, uh, and you know, you think back now and he was shoved into that, didn't want to be there and, uh, and, and pulled it off. Says a lot about him as a young man. And, uh, of course, when, uh, when he got into his teenage years, uh, as you heard him say, he felt useless and felt worthless or... What a none deserving and uh, crappy parents will will do that, and you know he has a he has a do over and it's uh, it's called parenthood and and you could take those experiences and you could just not do the same thing, and I'm sure uh, you know I'm sure he's he's completely on top of that, uh, but again Big Bang Theory, um, you, you know shed light on on him as a uh, as a celebrity. Uh, they poked fun at uh, at him and, uh, and Jim Parsons, uh, you know, and him had great uh, back and forth together. The whole cast did, but uh, you know, he was uh, he was able to make fun of himself there, and it says a lot. Still, just a geek is his bio, his autobiography, and um, uh, must get everyone. Uh, just absolutely terrific. Um, uh, Star Trek fame, of course. Uh, you know, uh, it just. Listen. What can I say? It's just it's great, and the fact that he's so candid, you know, it's a uh, it's it's a a very open book, and uh, and he's that. And uh, interesting, he said when he uh, when he did the audio version is is kind of when it uh, when it hit him, and uh, terrific, terrific to have him. Will Wheaton, everyone, has been our very special guest. Again, you know him from Stand by Me as a as a real kid, Star Trek. Um, Big Bang Theory, of of course, and, and dozens of other things. Uh, Will Wheaton's book, once again, is still just a geek. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. 
In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's breaking it down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a wonderful actress and uh, everything you see her in. But her latest is Inventing Anna on Netflix. It is a must watch. You know, the bold type was uh, terrific. Newly single, she was terrific. And she is wonderful. Alexis Floyd is our very special guest. Thrilled to have you, Alexis. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for all that love. And, and thank you for having me this morning. Oh, well, listen. A well-deserved, got to be excited about this. Netflix is great. What a platform, and it's become part of our culture all of a sudden. Tell us about your latest. Tell us about inventing uh, Anna, and uh, kind of give us a little history of how you got there and how you feel about how it is now. Yeah, 100%. Well, it, it, it's true what you say. I mean, it's it's really special to be a part of something that it feels like the larger really global community is watching and, and more than anything talking about. I just think there are so many themes um, and the mystery of, of Anna and the story itself that are exciting and kind of poignant to what we're all experiencing now. Um, and, and I actually hadn't heard the Anna Delvey story before getting the script. So I that was sort of wild to be living in New York. You know, I had been there about four years by the time the script came my way. And I started to dive in and I started to type Anna be on Google, and all of a sudden, it just populates with Anna Delvey, Anna Sorkin, Eleven Howard. I mean, it explodes towards me, just all of this information, the Jessica Pressler article, of course, but then all of these opinion pieces, people did fan fiction podcasts about Anna Delvey. I mean, she was she was already a phenomenon in this, like, pretty large pocket of the city, and, and I would say the country, probably the world. Um but then to watch it sort of explode on the scene through the vehicle of Netflix, through the magic of Shonda Rhimes is is pretty special. And you know, if if Shonda's going to tell a story, you know it's going to be you know it's going to be juicy. You, you know she has a lot to say. You know that she sees she sees a real opportunity to have a pretty potent conversation. Um, and she's just never missed. So when her name is on something, you, you know that there's something special there. And I'm just really happy to see that that's come to fruition and people are really, really tuning in and talking about it. You know, there's something about con men, con women that has been lovable and maybe it's been since the sting. You know, you're a little young to know mm. what the sting is, right? But Paul Newman and, and Robert. I got you. Yeah, but, you know, there's a love America has for someone that's learned to, you know, kind of use their wits to do things. And I guess as long as nobody gets physically hurt, nobody gets killed, you know, they kind of cheer on the character, and it's like an anti-hero type situation. But what do you think about the character? I imagine you've got to love this character. There's a lot of complexities there, and there's a lot of depth there. There is, there is. And and something also interesting is that, you know, she's not an American. She comes here having seen the cultural phenomenon uh, of our of New York City, of the fashion industry here, the business opportunities, the American dream, and she, I think she just sees a way to play the game, which I think that's what's kind of endlessly fascinating about all of these different con stories. It's people, you know, walking into a circumstance that seemingly has a set of ironclad rules, 
And there are so many systems within this system that that seem unbreakable. And then one person has the courage to play the game their way and sort of it highlights the fractions and the, and the flaws in the game. And then suddenly they're outsmarting the system and they're rising to the top in record time. So I think it just points to like the fragility of all of these, you know, this, this red tape and, and this way of doing things that has been the way and will always be the way. And then someone coming in and saying, but what if it's not? And, and getting as far as they do. So I think that's what's thrilling about these anti-heroes is they're kind of anti-system, you know, or anti-systematic way of being. How about the folks, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm an expert on Anna, but from what I know, the series was inspired by a New York magazine or a New Yorker magazine article, right? I think a New York magazine on how it was New York magazine. Delvey tricked New York's party people or big people. You know, give us a little something on that. Right. Are you hearing feedback from the people she got conned by? Are they like, hey, how can you make the, you know, are you hearing any kind of negative feedback? I haven't heard much. You know, to be honest, I. that being said, I haven't heard much at all. So maybe silence has its own way of speaking in in that regard. Um, but I am thankful to say that a lot of the major characters, including Ness, the woman that I play, um, was really happy with the way the series came to fruition. She was also really involved in the creating of it. And I think Shonda did her best to, you know, walk that line really delicately of, of doing her research and honoring the truth of their story. Um, but also protecting the people involved as much as she could. I, I think she she really had a focus on on telling the story with integrity and also dramatizing when it made sense. But I was thankful to see that most of the community members I think feel happy with the with the way that the story was told. And the the cool the truth is that it's the truth at the end of the day. So I just think it's important that we all reckon with it, you know, in ways that are that are healthy and safe, but I, I appreciate that Shonda is committed to the truth of this more than anything, and, and the, the heart of the story, especially. I'll remind people, Inventing Anna on Netflix is a must, and one of the reasons, but the story's fantastic, but the actor and actress, if you want to say actor, actress, Alexis Floyd is absolutely terrific. She's terrific in everything she does. you got to tune in. We're thrilled to have her here for another minute. Before you go, Alexis, if you can, give us anything that's going on in your life beyond this, anything you want to touch base with and let us know. And also, before you go, make sure you give us your social media sites and any websites and anything else you want to add. Thank you so much. Really, really thank you for, for all this love this morning. Um, yeah, so uh, the next thing you'll see me on this summer is season six of The Good Fight is coming out. And I've got a small arc on that show. Really, really grateful to have worked with some of my heroes, really, really um, in that space. Um, yeah, and I would just say stay tuned. You can follow me on Instagram mostly is where I, I communicate in the social space, which is... Uh, at Alexis G. Floyd is where I'm hanging out. So please, please stop on by and let's connect. I have a website under the same uh, name, AlexisGFloyd.com, but I, I love to connect. And, uh, you know, if you see me running around New York City, definitely bump in and say hi. I, I love to talk about this series and to connect in general. So thank you for that opportunity. And, and thank you again for shouting me out. This really warms me up. Oh, listen, congratulations on everything, not just inventing Anna, but everything else that you've been doing. You're terrific. Thrilled to talk to you. I can't wait to talk to you again. Alexis, thanks for being here. 
Thank you so much. Yes, can't wait for the next time. Take care. Alexis Floyd, everyone. She is wonderful. What a great job she did in The Bold Type and Newly Single. But this role is like made for her. Everyone, uh, you have to tune in. Netflix has become a part of the culture, certainly part of the conversation, to say the least it is. I think Netflix and others like it have changed the importance of the term primetime. Because you don't need primetime anymore. You don't have to be in one place. Uh, whenever you're ready, you can do it. And, and that's because of Netflix. And, and, and they just keep coming up with great programming. Inventing Anna is no exception. It's uh, absolutely terrific. Alexis Floyd has been our very special guest. And check her out. And check her out in everything she does. And we'll have her again for a longer period of time somewhere along the line. But this is a great story about you know, someone who conned a bunch of people. But I tell you, you're going to get an honest story. She's right. Uh, Shonda is uh, just terrific on all the things that she does. And you're going to love it. New Yorkers and people all over the country are going to love it. Uh, except maybe the people got, uh, got conned by Anna. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. Please check out Inventing Anna and Alexis Floyd anywhere you can see her. Just check her out. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, our subject today is Jack Osborne's Night of Terror Bigfoot. And uh, two very special guests is uh, Jack Osborne and Jason Muse. Uh, nice treat to have Jason. Everyone knows his work. He's he's absolutely terrific in everything he does, uh, from uh, you know uh, clerks to Jay Silent Bob, uh, uh, you know everything that Jason does is terrific. Good to hear these guys working together. And again, everyone's got to check out the the show, and you can see it on Discovery this Sunday. Uh, it's a must watch, everyone. Uh, Jack, Jason, welcome. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Hey, Jack, let me start with you. Uh, give us a little rundown. Uh, what you know? It's, it, I know it should be self-explanatory, but give us a little uh, little taste without without spoiling anything. So, I guess if I was giving you the elevator pitch on this, it's myself and and Jason. We head off to the um, the Idaho Northern Panhandle, so right up by the Canadian border, and we spent a week diving through the forest and looking around for uh, for Bigfoot. And we definitely came away with a different perspective on Bigfoot. Hey, Jason, let me turn to you. Uh, it, it sounds exciting listening from this end. Uh, did uh, did you look at it as exciting, as, as scary? Uh, give us your take on the whole adventure. Uh, you know, it, it, it sounded, I didn't, didn't really sound that scary to me at, at first. For me, it just seemed more like, wow, I, I get to go hang out with Jack um, for uh, like a week, and I get to go on a treasure hunt. Because again, to me, it's been right over the years, there's been these photos, like blurry photos, uh, and, and different information, and um, sightings, and people that have encountered things. So, like, I was like, wow, this could be very exciting and, and uh, fun to go hang out with Jack, go in the woods, and go on a treasure hunt somewhat. Um, and it was. It was so much fun. And it, it, at first, it was fun. Um, and then we started to hear and, and sort of see things in the deep woods. We were in, like, really out in the middle of nowhere in the woods. And, uh, you know, it, it, at times it got a little... Uh, 
you know, a little intense. So it, it was definitely uh, so much fun and, and worth uh, every every minute. Uh, Jack, let me turn back to you. Uh, you you get you know into so many different things. You look for so many different things. What? Uh, where do you put this uh, on your list? Is this a is this a top five event for you? Is this number one? Uh, give us an idea. Oh man, I I think because it, it I've I've done so many ghost investigations. I've done a, you know a lot of like UFO uh, hunts. Um, so this stands out for me because it was like my first like Bigfoot investigation. Um, so it definitely puts it in the top 10 and especially because we came away having really kind of crazy experiences. Um, I, I mean, man, I'll, I'll remember this the day I die because it was, it was, it was that compelling. Yeah, well, I, I'll st sticking with you for a second, Jack. Uh, that's saying a lot because you <laughs> you got a, you got a lot on that list of things. I've been following your your work for a while, and we've had you on the show and and so forth. So, uh, I, you know, listen, it, it's nice to know. Looking forward to uh, Sunday. Uh, do you have enough footage where there's going to be follow up to this? And and again, I'm not. I certainly don't want you spoiling. Uh, is there is there room for uh, additional story on this past Sunday? Oh wow! I would. You know, we did a two hour special. Uh, that you know, we were up there for like over a week. I would do this again in a heartbeat. I you know, I don't know. We, we'd get another episode out of what we shot. We'd have to probably head back out and do some more investigating, but I would have no problem doing that. Hey, Jason, going back to you, the um, the area that you went into, I, you know, to me, it, it it sound this sounds like you know like a creepy area, and and I travel, I I'm all over the place, and I guess in the daytime it's okay. Uh, what was and again without spoiling anything, uh, what was the uh, what were the different uh, vibes that were going on, uh, daytime uh, vibes probably less less nerve wracking than nighttime. No, yeah, definitely. And you know what? It was it was cool because during the day there was a few times we had to travel um, by boat to get to this like deeper parts of the woods that we had to get, and and it was during the day, and it was so. It was so beautiful to like be on this lake uh, out in the middle of nowhere and, and see like I never saw in real life. Uh, they were laughing at me because I've only seen it in my I have a seven year old and I read her, you know, bedtime stories. But I've never seen in real life a, a mother duck with their little ducklings following behind. And we saw that and we saw like <laughs> like really, really we saw this rainbow that went from uh one end to the next and i've never seen that a full rainbow like right in front of my eyes and um so during the day man we would be we, we got to see beautiful things like that out in the in, in the woods and uh up in the mountains and stuff like that and lakes um and then yes you you know like sun starts going down and all of a sudden we're out in the middle of the woods and and uh you know, things start to get a little intense. You start hearing things, and your your brain starts playing tricks on you, or you really hear things. And uh, it, it was it was a it was a great time, and and definitely uh, exciting. So, and again, I think it'll you'll see that you'll see a bunch of this uh, in the special, and and uh, you'll get to see the experience from from morning to night. So. 
Jason, staying with you one more second. Uh, your your seven year old. How much did you share with your seven year old about uh, about what you saw? Uh, <laughs> keeping in mind nightmares and and, and everything else. Uh, were you straight? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, well, you know what? I didn't really share much with, with with. She didn't necessarily want to hear details on the trip. She just wanted to. She just kept asking me, "Why? Why? What are you doing? Why are you going to? What is Sasquatch? What is a Bigfoot? You know?" And I had to show her a picture, and then she's like, "Oh wow!" And she's like, "Did you see him?" And you know, like she just had lots of questions about why I was doing it, and 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 where I was going, and you know, and all that type of thing. But yeah. So no, no, I didn't really give her details about like things that we came across or anything, except for again the ducklings. I definitely shared that with her, and she was she thought that was awesome. So um, you know, but but otherwise, none of the uh, intense things uh, that went on uh, in the middle of the night and stuff while we were hunt while we were looking for Sasquatch. Jack, back to you, and uh, let's uh, let's close with you. We'll be talking about it after we let you guys go. Uh, but uh, give us anything else we should know about. Obviously, without spoiling, we'll all be tuned in on Sunday. And if uh, if you can, uh, just give us a, a final thought on this before we watch it. You know, I think probably my final thought would be, uh, man, I, I guess I went into this... Uh, a total, like, a skeptic with, like, a foot in wanting to believe. And I kind of came away from it being like, all right, there's something to this. Yeah. You'll see. You'll see from the episode. I mean, we, 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 the stuff that we ended up, you know, the evidence that we collected was pretty, pretty wild. Uh, Jack, can you give us social uh, media or or website for uh, for everything we need to know about uh, Night of Terror uh, Bigfoot? Um, if you go to uh, any of my social, which is just at Jack Osborne, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, there's info on you know where, where people can find the show. Jason, you want to give us a quick social? Uh, yeah, it's uh, J-Muse, J-A-Y-M-E-W-E-S, on uh, same thing on all the socials and on uh, Twitch, too. I stream on Twitch, so check that out. Guys, congratulations on everything. Certainly the special we'll be watching. Thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great day. You too. <laughs> Jack, Jack Osmond's, Jack Osmond's Night of Terror Bigfoot. You can watch it, uh, watch it coming up, two-hour special, and these two friends, Jason Muse, you know him from uh, uh, Silent Bob, Jay and Silent Bob, and, and all the Clerks uh, franchise, everything that came off of that with Kevin Smith, and, you know, so much other uh, work, and he's a, he's a stoner's favorite. Both of these guys are, and, you know, I imagine... I imagine a lot of uh, a lot of partiers will be watching this. Jack Osborne's Night of Terror is uh, is the full name, Bigfoot, and check it out if you can. Jack Osborne, uh, of course, of of the famous family, the Osborns, and the uh, offspring of Ozzy Osborne and and Sharon Osborne. We've had uh, we've had Jack on several times before, and 
you know, listen, he's, he's looking for, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the unique things out there. I, I wonder if Frank Moreno has ever had Jack Osborne. Uh, you know, he gets into a lot of UFOs and aliens and all kinds of things. And by the, by the way, I shouldn't say it like that. You know, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm, UFOs and aliens. Right. He gets into into that. And if, uh, if you don't listen to uh, the other side of Midnight, you should with Frank Morano. He's, it's a lot more than that, but uh, he's, he's got a great show. Uh, One o'clock every night on ABC. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. Jack Osborne and Jason Muse have been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Frank McKay. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with competitive eater Mickey Sudo. And she is uh, she's one of a kind, and nobody in the world. If you saw her walking down the street, you think you know this is a model, or this is an actress, this is uh, this is anything but a competitor eater. But I I tell you, she is she is so great for the game, uh, so great for the uh, the industry, and she's a new mom, and uh, that's more important than ever. But we're here talking about the Nathan's annual Fourth of July hot dog eating contest, and it's at noon on Fourth. July on ESPN, and a big reason why everyone should tune in is Mickey Sudo. Mickey, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thrilled to have you. And and how's motherhood? Is uh, is this your first? Yeah, it, it is. Um, so Max will be a year old on July 8th. So uh, I mean, so many milestones. He's growing so fast. But uh, motherhood's been I mean, fun, rewarding, crazy, exhausting, stressful, tiring. I mean, everything thrown into one. But I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, well, you you women, and I have four. My wife, I say this to her oh, all the time. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Have <laughs> the most difficult job anywhere and i'm not saying it just to be you know coy or or to, uh, to be whatever it is the Thank job you. job of the century uh and i i'm sure you've never seen anything like it it's a lot easier to, to competitive eat i'm sure than than chase him around oh oh yeah absolutely i mean eating's the easy part no um you know but thankfully i mean nick uh, who also competes with us um yep. he's ranked right behind me um is incredibly hands-on and obviously he works full-time so he's away a lot but when he is um, he's honestly he's the one changing the diapers in the middle of the night because um, for better or worse, I sleep like a rock, so I don't hear anything. I might change one diaper to, like, his four or five, so I, I can't take all the credit. But, yeah, during the day, I mean, yeah, Max is a handful, but he's, he's, he's great. I mean, the, the tough part is finding, you know, trying to juggle, um, you know, working from home with taking care of Max, and I want to go back to school, so doing that and kind of finding quiet time because, basically, I'm on, I'm on call for Max, and I'm on his schedule, so... Yeah. Anyway, we make it work. Yeah, I I, sh- I misspoke. I said running around after him. It's not. Yeah, you're running around, but he's not running around yet. Not not quite. Oh, yet, but... 
not quite, but I feel like I'm going to blink and he will. Yeah, that's it. Well, hey, listen, what what can you tell us about the hot dog eating contest? How have they changed over time, or is this one of those timeless things that no matter where we are in uh, in our our history, that it's always going to be the same? Is this one of those things? Yeah, there's there's just something about hot dogs that are comforting and familiar, I think. And you know what? It's funny because in 2020, when we were on this COVID lockdown, so many people told me that, you know, watching the Nathan's Fourth of July hot dog eating contest is a part of their family tradition or their yearly tradition. You know, they might actively watch it. They might go to Coney Island. They might just have it, you know, playing in the background at one of their cookouts or something. But they, we didn't, I didn't realize that we're kind of a big part of people's traditions, and it's such an honor to hear that. Um, yeah, but I mean, the hot dogs themselves, I, I want to say maybe the formula's changed a little bit. You know, maybe the packaging's changed, but, you know, at, the, at its core, I mean, I think it's just kind of, it's something that's longstanding and familiar for everybody. And um, for me, the hot dog eating contest is just like part of my life now. I've been doing this for close to a decade. And um, even when I was 37 weeks pregnant, you couldn't keep me away. I was there uh, serving as guest commentator with Michael Jr. So, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's just a big part of everything the last time i spoke to you you were uh you were pregnant uh with max mm-hmm. and uh that's terrific well i gotta say this and and again uh the way you look the way max's parents look uh are uh, is absolutely fantastic you would never believe that you you guys are competitive eaters right i mean it, when yeah. you think of competitive eating you think of some heavy and and they shouldn't because nobody's really like that you know uh but yeah. how in the world do you keep and I'm not even talking about looking good but what about feeling good and I'm afraid if I eat one hot dog I'm going to get my my arteries are going to get clogged like cholesterol wise and all that do you get checked constantly Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Nick will tell you that he gets checked regularly because he has psoriasis and kind of has to have, I think, quarterly blood work. Um, I just enjoyed a very smooth and pleasantly uneventful just, just, I don't know, pregnancy that that went off without a hitch. So, I mean, that kind of put me in the doctor's office on a weekly basis. So, yeah, I mean, different, different life situations have, like, led us to monitor our stats pretty closely um and thankfully everything's good i I think a lot of it's you know if you're going to eat hot dogs like a crazy person for you know 10 minutes once a year you need for the rest of the year to be as perfectly healthy as possible so you know that's that's the case with every other contest um so if we compete like I don't know, a dozen times uh, a year, you kind of need to make sure that the other, you know, 350 or so days are as healthy and balanced and disciplined as possible. And I think, you know, that really shows. Um, and, and then and most, and on a more superficial level, I just perform better at the table when I'm lean and healthy and at a, at a good weight. Yeah, so you kind of answered my next question. I was going to say, how many times a year? It's it's about a dozen times a year uh, that you and Nick uh, uh, compete. Yeah, something like that. Um, I don't know. I guess I, I don't really count them. Uh, now that I think about it, Max is about to be a year old, and I want to say he's been to like twelve contests. So it's probably about a it's probably about a dozen a year. And I imagine they're like reunions, or it becomes like family. And oh, yeah. all the all the the people. I was gonna say all the same people, but you, you see the circuit, you know, and, and mm-hmm. whether, you know whether you're an athlete, a baseball player, or an actor, actress, or whatever. You you tend to see the people who do what you do, and mm-hmm. I, I I've got to believe that there's uh, 
there's kind of a family atmosphere around there. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of eating such a small community. Um, so we definitely run into the same people at a lot of events. Um, you see the same handful of people tend to, you know, place and win at events. Um, and there's that. But, I mean, I've also made some of my best friends through competitive eating. So Michelle Lesko, who won last year in my absence and, you know, typically is the runner-up at Nathan's, She's, I can't even call her a friend. She's like a sister to me at this point. I actually lived with her for a year, um, about three or four years back. Um, she's great. Badlands Booker is an amazing person. Even even Joey, I've, I've known him for close to a decade. And, and uh, you know, we stayed at his house uh, while we were in Indiana for the shrimp cocktail eating contest. It's just, these people have become part of my life. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just... You have such a weird thing in common that you you grow close, and um, you know I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Well, listen, I just keep doing what you're doing, and congrats to you, Nick and Max. Uh, Thank you uh, for the family. You guys make a great picture, that's for sure. And uh, and well, listen, uh, we're gonna wish you luck. I know you don't need luck, but uh, <laughs> on on July 4th we'll be tuning in to see you, and you're a big reason why uh, ESPN will do great with this event. And uh, and Nick, can, uh, good luck to him as well. Give us a website or a social media site where people oh, yes. can follow along with what you're doing. So all of our social media links are going to be uh, on thehungrycouple.com. That's where we do a lot of our updates. Um, so you know, you'll find everything there, but otherwise I'm at O-M-G-I-T-S-M-I-K-I at Oh My God, It's Mickey. Oh, at Oh My M-G, It's Mickey. So there's that. And I might need a little bit of luck because I messed up my wrist and my hand doesn't, my left hand doesn't move. So I'm going to be eating hot dogs with one hand, actually. So oh. we'll see how it all pans out. All right. Well, listen, good luck and thanks very much for being here. Thanks. Take care. Mickey Sudo, everyone. Nathan's hot dog eating contest, and, and I know a lot of you are cringing, and and saying, "What? What are you talking about? Hot dog eating contest?" You know, and look, it's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting because they do this for a living. That was yeah. That was my question. Is twelve times a year is and she's the champ. You know, other than last year, Michelle Lesko, who we had on the show, uh, she won, and one of the. Uh, you know, one of the things, you, you know, I'm sure all of you are under, wondering, and, and I, I just, I didn't pull the trigger on it, but uh, can you make enough money competitive eating to uh, to make a living? I'm sure they do other things. I wonder what they do. And uh, so Nick is her, her, you know, I was going to say better half. She's Nick's better half. Let's, let's say that. And um, Nick is a competitor eater too. And, uh, and Max, I'm sure one day, you know, if you're born to two competitive eaters, <laughs> right, you, you got, uh, you got your, your life stage uh, set ahead of you. So I imagine one-year-old Max is, is going to be uh, gulping down um, baby formula soon or whatever they do uh, for, for babies. But I, look, it, when you look at what she looks like I, in Mickey Sudo, and, and I mean this with the greatest respect, she's, she's beautiful. She's in uh, incredible shape. And same as uh, about Nick, her partner, as well. And uh, when you know, when you look at him, it's it's hard for me, and especially when you look at me. I mean, I'm not in shape, and when you when you look at me, I, I'm who am I to question a competitive eater when they look like <laughs> when they look a lot better? But right, I mean, they they work out all uh, year all year long, and then they have these twelve events, and you know, I guess they you know they they weigh it out, no pun intended, but they measure out what they eat. 
uh, prior to uh, to taking the stage or taking the the platform or whatever the hell they do at a hot dog eating contest. And they take it from there. So anyway, interesting. Uh, Nathan's annual 4th of July hot dog eating contest is uh, at 12 noon on um, on the 4th, on Independence Day. And you can see it on ESPN. And it's, uh, it's you know, look, it's fun. It's gross. It's disturbing. Uh, it's uh, But it's fun. And, and that's why people watch it and people get involved with it. Uh, Mickey Sudo has been our very special guest, Frank McKay, signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.